bless you, everybody. Praise the Lord to all of you who are uh, tuned in. I want to thank you for joining us uh, for this online Bible study. And uh, it's been my privilege and honor uh, to do this for the people of God uh, during this pandemic. Uh, of course, as you know, uh, things are quite a bit different now. Uh, but nevertheless, we are marching on, endeavoring to please the Lord, endeavoring uh, to feed the flock. I'm grateful uh, for the people of God here at Greater Refuge Temple in Washington, D.C., and also uh, at Refuge Temple Annex in the Bronx. Uh, we want you all to know that we love you and we thank God so much for you. Tonight, I'm going to be in the book of Job, uh, the book of Job, chapter, um, chapter 22, uh, and I'll be between the verses of 21 and 29. Our topic tonight, our thought uh, that I want to elaborate on tonight, uh, the benefits of knowing God, the benefits of, of knowing God. Um, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we're so grateful on tonight for you keeping us all day long, for how you watch over us even in the midst of these horrible times where yet depending and leaning on you because you're a good God and in spite of what's happening in the world, our eyes are fastened on you. You are our savior. You are our God. You are our everything. And we pray for those who are uh, suffering with this disease, those who have been afflicted by it, those who have been affected by it. Certainly the whole world is stirred behind this. Hallelujah. But again, our eyes are on you. We ask that you would help us through this as we continue in your way. Bless us now. Bless every home that's tuned in, everyone that's connected, no matter where they are. I pray that you'd reach out to them and bless them as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you tonight. I'm in the book of Job, uh, chapter 22, verses 21 through 29, and my theme on my subject tonight, lesson, benefits of knowing God. Um, I'm going to read and then I'll do some explaining of the text um, before we go into the actual lesson. Um, here it's written, acquaint thyself with him and be at peace, thereby good shall come unto thee. Receive, I pray thee, the law from his mouth and lay up his words in thine heart. If thou return to the Almighty, thou shalt be built up. Thou shalt put away iniquity far from thy tabernacles. Then shalt thou lay up gold as dust, the gold of Ophir as the stones of the brooks. Yea, the Almighty shall be thy defense, and thou shalt have plenty of silver. For then shalt thou have thy delight in the Almighty. Thou shalt lift up thy face unto God. Thou shalt make thy prayer unto him. And he shall hear thee, thou shalt pay thy vows. Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee. The light shall shine upon thy ways. When men are cast down, then thou shalt say, there is a lifting up. And he shall save the humble person. Again, our subject tonight for lesson is the benefits of knowing God. And first, let me give you a little background and explain uh, what's going on here in the life of Job, and certainly uh, we remember Job's story. 
Uh, he's from a place called Uz. And uh, the Lord speaks of him, the scripture speaks of him as being perfect and an upright man. Uh, the book of Job is classified, of course, as being uh, one of the wisdom and poetic books of the Old Testament. Uh, wisdom because it deals profoundly with important universal questions that humans have. And poetic uh, because almost the entire book is in poetic form. It's poetry, of course, though it involves a real person. Uh, it's not made up. It's, it's a real person uh, that existed. Uh, so Job is a real historic person. Uh, it's not a metaphor, an allegory. He's a real individual. And, um, and it's a real historic event. Uh, we know this, and I'll take you into the book of Ezekiel, where um, he talks about three men in Ezekiel's uh, prophecy and is, is talking with Israel. He says this in Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 14, though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, uh, he's prophesying, were in it, they should deliver, uh, but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord. I'll read it again. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, uh, they should deliver, but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord. God. Uh, if you go down to the 20th verse, Ezekiel prophesies again, and he uses three men, Noah, uh, Ezekiel 14 and 20 now, though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter, they shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. James talks about uh, Job also in the fifth chapter. Uh, James says these words in the 11th verse, Behold, we count them happy which endure. We have heard of the patience of Job uh, and have seen the end of the Lord, uh, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. So uh, remember again, the setting of, of the story is in a place called Uz, spelled U-Z, not O-Z. Uh, that's Oz, but U-Z. Uh, this would later become, uh, if we remember history, the territory of the Edomites. It would become Edom, uh, which is, uh, if we had a map, it's southwest of the Dead Sea uh, in northern Arabia. Uh, so this is the area that Job lived in, northern Arabia. Uh, I'm going to take you to Lamentations, chapter 4, verse 21. Uh, it says, Rejoice and be glad, O daughter of Edom, that dwellest in the land of Uz. A cup also shall pass through unto thee. Thou shalt be drunken and shalt make thyself naked. And so uh, down through the years, after Job, it would become uh, a wicked place. And now they're facing this area, uh, the judgment of God. Uh, so understanding now uh, in the story, uh, as it goes, Job is suffering. Uh, he's going through trial and tribulation. Um, you know, uh, he loses his children. He loses his possessions. And uh, he gets visitation from Bildad, Zophar, and uh, Eliphaz. Now, these are supposed to be his friends. Um, and I don't have time to get into all three of them. Uh, but 
in the lesson, in this particular chapter, he's having a conversation with Eliphaz. Um, there were three of them, and they each took their turns. They sat in the house, according to scripture, I think it's about seven days just watching and taking notes. You know how, how uh, church folks can be, um, and they're watching him suffer. Uh, and uh, when they get an opportunity to speak, uh, and a lot of the book is conversations that he's having with these with these three, as a matter of fact, Job in the 16th chapter, he, he tells them, he says, you all are some miserable comforters. Uh, you all are supposed to be helping. You're supposed to be ministering. You're supposed to be praying. And here you are giving me a hard time while I'm going through a hard time. That's, that's a lesson within itself. Why do saints give me a hard time when I'm already having a hard time? But this is Job. Uh, and each one of them, when they stepped up, they had their theory. They, you know, they had their theology. Um, and if we would break down Eliphaz, the Temanite, uh, he would be considered a traditionalist, uh, Pharisaic, uh, rabbinic, the theologians say, in his delivery. Um, you know, because he's he's getting deep with Job, and the other two tried also. Uh, but Eliphaz's argument with Job after he does all of this observation and watching, he's, you know, he's, he's watching him and his wife go through all of this. And Eliphaz is basically saying to Job that you are suffering because you're being punished for your sins immediately. Uh, he starts judging. He starts going in way back early in the conversation uh, he says something to the effect, and I'm paraphrasing, do godly people uh, go through this? Uh, so this is indicative of your sins. You must have been doing something you had no business doing. So uh, in this, you know, how people do in church, they're trying to be spiritual, and they're, while they're chastising or judging you at the same time. Um, and his argument really is a very strong appeal for Job to repent, uh, which is a good message, uh, but the motive behind what he was saying was, was judgmental. He's judging him, you must have sinned, you must have done so and so and so. Uh, so here we get sort of a glimpse in the mindset of those who are sitting around Job also, uh, what, what kind of worshipers or what kind of saints uh, were they? You know, the Bible tells me that Job made sacrifices three times a day. He didn't just sacrifice for himself, uh, but he prayed and sacrificed for his children and his wife, for everybody. He's a praying man. He's a devout man. And now he's suffering. He's going through. And now Eliphaz steps up uh, when it's his turn to speak. And he says, you need to repent. You need to turn your life back to God. And uh, if you're willing to return to God and receive instruction from his word and humble yourself and God will remove sin from your life and abandon uh, and you've got to abandon the world, Job, and you've got to start trusting in God. Uh, now, I don't know where Eliphaz was when, when uh, Job says, naked I came in the world and uh, naked I shall uh, return. Uh, I don't know where... Uh, Eliphaz was when he hears, Job hears that his children are dead uh, and his wife was crying 
and uh, you know, and Job rips his garment and falls on his face, and the Bible says he was worshiped. I don't know what Eliphaz was doing. Maybe he was just taking notes. Uh, and then again, what Eliphaz is saying is not wrong. We all need to repent. We all need to turn to God, uh, but uh, he had no understanding of the fact that Job uh, was going through, and just because we're going through doesn't mean that we've sinned or we've done something wrong. And I need to say that again. Just because somebody's going through, it doesn't mean that they've done something wrong. I'm reminded immediately of a scripture that says, uh, they who would live godly will suffer uh, persecution. Uh, when you find yourself in these fiery trials, uh, think it not strange. So it, it's part of the territory we go through. Um, he's being tested. He's being tried, right? Uh, the Lord is taking him through this. And Eliphaz now is telling him, uh, you need to repent. Uh, now, uh, I, I have an issue with Eliphaz's motive. His, he's motivated uh, by judgment. Uh, he's questioning the integrity of another man's salvation based upon uh, what he's going through. You must not know God uh, if you're going through all of this. Uh, so um, where I agree with the message of repentance, and you know, this is Old Testament uh, and here is an Old Testament mentality of what repentance is. It's a simple uh, doctrine of repentance. Uh, simplistic doctrine of repentance is, is flowing out of Eliphaz's mouth. Uh, but through showing you where Eliphaz was wrong, uh, my mission tonight then is to talk to you about the benefits of knowing God. Because when you get into the conversation that Job is having with Eliphaz, you quickly get uh, the understanding that Eliphaz is, is he has uh, the feeling that uh, because Job has all of these things, uh, that he must know God because he has these things. And, uh, and when he starts, Job starts losing all of these things, you must have done something wrong or you must not really know God the way you say you know God because you're going through all of this. So I, I need to talk to you then. Get your pens and, uh, and some paper. Let's talk about it then because uh, before we get into the actual lesson, let's talk about uh, what was wrong with Eliphaz's argument. Uh, again, it's the motivation, not the words. Yes, we need to repent. Saints of God need to live a life of repentance. I, I agree with that. As a matter of fact, I, I believe if we, if we read the whole story tonight, you would see that Job agreed. Yes, uh, we all need to turn to God. Uh, but at one point, Job said, my witness though is in heaven and my record is above. Uh, you all are judging me uh, for what I'm going through. And Job is telling him, I, I, I still love the Lord. I still pray uh, in the midst of this. Uh, so let's, let's talk about it. Number one, uh, you, we have to understand that repentance and salvation do not always result in physical and material prosperity. Now, I'm, I'm going to say that one more time, right? Because a lot of us are really tied into prosperity preaching, 
right? Uh, you don't have a nice big car, you ain't blessed. And you don't have a big house, right? And a lot of times the only one that has a mansion and the Maybach is the preacher, right? Uh, but, uh, but the gospel isn't about prosperity. Jesus even said, what would a prophet a man to gain this whole world and lose his soul? Jesus has a conversation with a young man. Uh, he's, he's rich, and, and the young man is bragging about what he's got, and Jesus calls him a fool. He said, you're holding on to all this stuff, uh, but what if your soul is required tonight? And I'm paraphrasing. He said, who's going to have your stuff tomorrow? Um, so I'm going to say it again. Repentance and salvation don't always result in physical and material prosperity. Sometimes, sometimes men and women of faith, because of their faithfulness, because of their faithfulness, are destitute, afflicted, tormented. Uh, Hebrews 11.37. Listen to these words. 11.37 in Hebrews, right? Uh, we're walking down the corridors of faith. The hall of faith, it says they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, which means they were sold in half. They were tempted with, uh, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, and these all rather, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Hallelujah. They did all of that. And they, didn't, they didn't get everything that was promised to them. Uh, and it doesn't mean that God breaks his promises, but uh, they held on to their faith. They didn't use uh, their lack of things to turn them away from God. So I can't say that a person is blessed just because of what they're driving or what they're wearing, or how much money they paid for their house versus how much someone else paid. Uh, so though they believe the promises of God, yet at present, they receive not the promise. Hallelujah. I didn't get it yet. Uh, I didn't get it yet, but I'm on my way to it. Uh, and if I don't get everything here, what God has for me over there is better than anything I can have over here. That was their mentality. Hallelujah. God is the most important thing. All right, let's move on. Uh, so in exhorting to Job to repent in order to recover his health, this is what Eliphaz's argument was in the text. Uh, you can get back your money. You can get back all of this. Somebody will come and fix up your house. You get all your clothes back. You get all this back. Uh, so this is why you have to repent, so you can get your money back, so you can get your health and prosperity back. Uh, Job, Job could have got healed and, and never got anything back, just got his healing. Uh, or the Lord could have just took him by his hand like he did Enoch and said, come on, you've gone through enough. Uh, let's go into glory. Uh, well, what Eliphaz had looked at that and said, well, he, uh, you know, uh, he, didn't, he didn't get a new house. He didn't get a new car. And people are stuck on that. Uh, don't get stuck on stuff and prosperity. So, uh, so Eliphaz, in running his mouth, though he was saying something good concerning repentance, uh, he was really, uh, really an advocate for what the enemy 
uh, was trying to say to God. If you take his stuff, he will curse you and die. So here we have somebody who's supposed to know God uh, saying uh, to another child of God that's going through, you must have sinned because you're going through. So if you stop sinning, you'll get back all your stuff. And that will prove that you really know who God is. Why, if you knew God, why would he let you suffer? Uh, and God is the one that told the enemy, have you considered my servant Job? Hallelujah. I feel like preaching now. Uh, so no matter what the saints go through, I hear somebody say, he knows the way that I take. And after he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. So you have to be tried. You got to go through things. Uh, so here in the book of Job, chapter 1, I'll take you there. Uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Uh, this is what Job says uh, in his answer, right? Uh, because he's being accused. Earlier, uh, the same individual is accusing him of serving God only for what he can get from him, right? He walks in Job's house and he sees the furniture, he, you know, the chandelier and the carpet. Uh, you know, he said, well, pfft, you know how people do you. Listen, they're going to criticize you when you got stuff and they're going to talk about you when you don't have stuff. So you know what you do? Forget about people and go on and serve your God and worship him in the beauty of holiness. Uh, his friends walk in there and they see all the stuff. They know all the things that he's got. And Eliphaz is quick to accuse him in the beginning of you're only serving God uh, for your stuff. Now that he's lost everything, uh, if you repent, you'll get your stuff back. Listen to what Job says in chapter 9, verses 1 through one, gen, one through uh, 11, rather. Then Job answered and said, I know it is so of a truth, but how should man be just with God if he will contend with him? He cannot answer him one of a thousand. He is wise in heart and mighty in strength, who have hardened himself against him and have prospered, which removeth the mountains and they know not, uh, which overturneth them in his anger, which shaketh the earth out of her place, and the pillars thereof tremble, which commandeth the sun, and it riseth not, and sealeth up the stars, which alone spreadeth out the heavens, and treadeth upon the waves of the sea, which maketh Arcturus, Orion, and Pleiades, uh, sorry, Pleiades, and the chambers of the south, which do the great things past finding out, yea, and wonders without number. Lo, he goeth by me, and I see him not, he passeth on also, but I perceive him not. Uh, here's, here is Job uh, now going through, and his friends are here listening to the things that are coming out of Job's mouth. He wasn't complaining. Uh, you know, uh, Job wasn't a complainer. He did not charge God foolishly, uh, the book says, uh, but he's, he's talking things at one time, he's, he's cursing the very day that he was born. You know, he's going through. Listen, there's nothing wrong with being tired of going through. Uh, just don't give up. Hold on to your faith. Uh, and, and I want to say something before I move on to the next. If Job were to repent of some supposed sin in order to gain God's blessing, uh, then he could indeed be accused of serving God simply for personal gain. Uh, I only 
come to church so I can get something from him. And, and I need to stop here because this is the mentality of a lot of people today in church. They are only doing it to get from God. They're not coming to serve God. Uh, at one time in the Gospels, the Lord turns around and he says to those who are following him, the only reason why some of y'all are here are for the fish and the loaves of bread. Uh, you're here because you want a miracle, but you don't really want me. You want the blessing, but you don't want the blessor. Um, so let's go back the next thing. Although the words of Eliphaz were eloquently spoken, and they were uh, concerning the, the importance of repentance, uh, and like I said earlier, they were spoken with improper motivation. He was being judgmental. Uh, he was being he was being judgmental. He was judging Job according to his stress, according to his problem, according to his issue. He was even accusing Job, perhaps you don't know God the way you claim to know God. Um, so I would say because of this, uh, he failed in his witness and his ability to encourage someone. Even God got on these three fellas when Job came out. Uh, before Job came out, I should say, he went, God went and knocked on their doors and said, I have a problem with how you dealt with Job while he was going through his struggle. Uh, so I have in my notes, Eliphaz's failure demonstrates uh, that the message of repentance spoken to the weak and suffering have to be accompanied with compassion. I'm, I'm going to add to that. Uh, when you're talking to people that are going through who are weak and are suffering, because sometimes the weak and suffering are even in our own environment, in our own congregation, and they may have issue or they just might be going through a try. Uh, so I'm not just going to say uh, words of comfort and compassion. I'm going to say discernment as well, right? Because somebody else's trial can be my test which means while somebody's going through their suffering, God is using that suffering to test me to see what I'm going to do if I'm going to help them. Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. Uh, uh, bear one another's burdens. In doing this, you fulfill the law. Help them carry their load. Don't just stand there and criticize. So there has to be some discernment also. Um, so now let's get into it a little deeper. Uh, because the book or the, the lesson, let, well, the book uh, really wrestles with uh, the age-old question, why do the righteous suffer? Why do righteous people uh, suffer? Why do righteous people suffer? And, and, and Job, according to the scripture, he was perfect. He was upright. Uh, uh, he feared God. Uh, which means fearing God means he turned away from evil. Uh, and this is the foundation of Job's blamelessness and uprightness. Um, Proverbs 1 and 7, the fear of God, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Um, so here, uh, the fact that God says he was perfect, uh, it alludes to his moral integrity. And uh, his wholehearted commitment to God, the fact that uh, the text says that he was upright, uh, denotes righteousness, uh, righteous in word, righteous in thought and action. 
Uh, he didn't curse God like uh, it was said he would do. Um, he wasn't going through because he did something wrong. He was being tried. He was being tested. Uh, God was molding and making uh, and redemption. <coughs> Excuse me. Don't have time really to, to talk the way I really want to talk. But God is proving through Job uh, that man can be redeemed. Because while God is having a meeting with the sons of God, he's having a meeting, right? Uh, Satan appears. He walks in and God says, what you been up to? What you been doing? He says, I've been walking up and down the earth. And God says, have you, have you checked Job out? Have you considered my servant Job? Uh, so God will put us in the test. Uh, and what God was doing was proving that these, these, these humans... Uh, they're not all bad. Uh, they, can, they can come through things. Uh, and that's what redemption is about, not just coming out but staying out. Uh, he takes us out. Uh, we give our lives to him, uh, and we get into things. So things happen in our lives, and he has the ability to take us out again. Hallelujah. So uh, twice God makes a declaration uh, that he's perfect. Um, he's perfect. But understand... Uh, God speaks of Job being perfect and upright. Uh, but the lesson is not about God knowing us. Here's when we're getting ready to dig into the lesson. Uh, because he knows me. God knew me before I got saved. Just like he knew you before you got, it, got into the church, before you had the Holy Ghost. Uh, and the, and the, pow the power of that is before you said your curse, your first curse word, before you, uh, you know, did your first wrong, he saw it already, and he still made a way for your salvation. He didn't hold any of that against you. Uh, so he knows you uh, before the foundation of the world. He told one preacher, he said, I've loved you, I love you with an everlasting Love. So it's not about God knowing us. It's about us knowing God. Hallelujah. It's about me knowing God. Uh, so I'm going to use Eliphaz's argument to talk about what it really means uh, to know God and what are the benefits of knowing God. What are the benefits? And, and Eliphaz says in verse 21, acquaint thyself with him and be at peace. He's saying get to know God. Uh, submit to God. I'll read, I'll read from another version. He says, submit to God and be at peace with him in this way, in this way, listen, in this way, this is what Eliphaz is saying, prosperity will come to you if you do this. Uh, so uh, this is the key verse then of, of what we're talking about. The argument is get to know God, acquaint yourself with him, be at peace, and good will come to you. You'll get your stuff back. Uh, turn back to him. Uh, so let's get into it. Um, we're told uh, good and blessing the benefits which will come to us if we really know God. This is what Eliphaz is saying. Of course, there's a difference between knowing God. There's a difference between knowing God and knowing about God. Uh, there's a difference between knowing him and knowing about God. A lot of people will spend their life in church and never really know him. They'll know about him. They sing about him. Their preachers preaching about him, but do you really know him? So uh, there is a, 
there's a theory, and then there's experience. Are you, are you talking about, about God in theory, uh, what you read, what you heard, or are you talking about God because you know him for yourself through experience, uh, through an experience? Uh, so uh, is it an experiential knowledge or is it uh, just through theory? How do we know God? Uh, so he, he talks about it in the 23rd verse. Uh, if you would return to the Almighty, thou shalt be built up, thou shalt put away iniquity far from thy tabernacles. Uh, right? He says these things to him. Uh, he says, return. Return to God. Return to God. Return to God. I'm going to take you to Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. Right, and I'm 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 digging deeper into Eliphaz's argument, uh, so we can pull out the good stuff and talk about the benefits of knowing Him. He said, "All we like sheep have gone astray; we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord have laid on him the iniquity of us all." Uh, yeah, we've wandered from Him. Uh, in Luke chapter 15, verse 13, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey right into a far country and their wasted prodigal son, wasted his substance with riotous living. Hallelujah. And, I, and I'm reading these scriptures so hopefully we can see ourselves in the word. Uh, so by nature, we were far off. Uh, therefore, our first need is to return and be reconciled to Jesus Christ, to be brought near. Uh, Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. First Peter 2 and 25. For as uh, for ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. In Isaiah, uh, I'll take you to an Old Testament scripture. Uh, he's telling Israel there's only one way to get back to God. Uh, and I'm, I'm using Eliphaz's argument. He's telling Job, uh, return. Uh, Isaiah told Israel, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Hallelujah. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, he, for he will abundantly pardon. My God, uh, this is the prophet uh, Isaiah talking to Israel about returning uh, back to God. Uh, only one way back, uh, seek the Lord while he can be found. He also says not only return, but in these verses here, in verse 22, I'll go back up. He didn't just say return, but he says receive, I pray thee, the law from his mouth. Receive the word. Uh, from his mouth, hallelujah, receive, I pray thee, the law from his mouth and lay up his words in thine heart. Similar to what David wrote, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Uh, this is getting good to me. Receive. Uh, having returned to the Lord, uh, we have to receive him and trust him as our savior. Yeah. John 14 and 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto uh, the Father but by, but by me. Hebrews 7 
hallelujah, and 25 says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Revelation 3 and 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. So he says, return and receive. This is the argument that Lelophaz is bringing to him. You know, if, if uh, people talk long enough, they'll eventually say things to bless you. And no matter how, uh, whatever their motive is, something's going to come out of their mouth that you could pull something good out of. So receive and return, right? John 15, 14 and 15, ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Hallelujah. So listen, the measure in which we know God then, the measure in which we know God is determined by the measure we receive from him. I'm going to say it again. The measure that we uh, know God, the measure in which we know God is determined by the measure we receive from God. The more we receive, and this is what I mean by receive. This is what I mean by receive. Write this down. When we receive, we are hearing, we are obeying, and we are doing. Uh, we are hearing, we are obeying, and when I say doing, I'm saying we are living out the word. We are living out the word. So hearing, obeying, and living out the word. The word is coming, becoming alive in our lives and unfolding in our lives and we are working out our soul salvation. This is all encompassed in receiving God, right? Um, so that, that lets me know then there are degrees. There are degrees in, in knowing God. Uh, there are degrees of knowing God. Say it with me. There are, there are degrees uh, of knowing God. If you compare John, the 14th chapter, and the 9th verse with Acts, the 9th chapter, let's do that quickly. John 14 and 9, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? Listen to the conversation. He said, You spend all this time with me, but you still don't know me. Hallelujah. That's powerful. You know why? Because uh, Philip is with Jesus face to face, right? They're with Jesus for three years. They're having this conversation now. And Jesus is looking at him and said, man, you've been with me all this time and you don't know me yet. Hallelujah. Now, don't raise your hand uh, and don't answer this. Uh, but um, how, how long, how long is it going to take you to really get to know him? Uh, you know, because people have been in church for a long time and they know what time church starts. They know, you know, what they were supposed to wear. They know how the song goes. They know where they're supposed to sit. But how many of us really know God? Hallelujah. So if we compare John 14 and 9 to Acts, the ninth chapter, starting at verse 4, uh, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? Who art thou, Lord? 
And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Now let's compare that, right? I'll give you another scripture, Philippians 3 and 10, that I may know him, oh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Uh, John, uh, Jesus is talking to Philip. I've been with you all this time. You still don't know me. Acts, hallelujah. Uh, we opened that up to you. And he's introducing himself to Saul before he becomes Paul. And when he knocks Saul off his beast and tells him who he is, immediately, hallelujah, immediately trembling and astonished, he says, Lord, when he says, who are you? Jesus answers, I'm Jesus, the one who you persecuted. Immediately, he calls Jesus Lord. He just met Jesus, and he, he seems to know, oh, this is Jesus the Lord. What do you want me to do? What, is, what are your instructions? And, and Philippians, now, uh, another degree of knowing God, right? Deeper into uh, Saul, who has become Paul, uh, you know, and God knew him, but now it's time for Saul, who is becoming Paul, to know who God is. Later on in his life, in his ministry, uh, he has a yearning, a desire to even know more of God. My God. Hallelujah. And he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. He's already in the church. He's already speaking in tongues, right? He's already hikamasayan, but he's saying, I want to know him even more, hallelujah, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. That's some powerful stuff. So here then, uh, I'm, we're still getting to know God. Uh, we're developing a relationship with God. We're in this thing now. Hallelujah. I'm in this thing now. And I know I'm going to have to suffer some things. I'm going to have to go through some things. Uh, and in all of this, I'm getting to know God in a way that I didn't know him before. Now, notice I didn't say nothing about flying an airplane. I didn't say nothing about buying a new car. I didn't say nothing about having a mansion. I didn't say anything about that. Uh, the gospel is not about that. Does not, and I'm not saying that Jesus wants you broke, busted, and disgusted, but that's not the purpose of my salvation or knowing God. That's not a true benefit of, of knowing God. He can, I can have a house, uh, uh, but, but Jesus is greater than the house. He's greater than a mansion. He's greater than a car. And I hear some of y'all uh, pulling back on me because you want the house, uh, you want the car, and there's nothing wrong with wanting it, but don't want those, don't let those things you want take the place of knowing your Savior. That I may know him, the fellowship of his suffering, the power of his resurrection. Hallelujah. So let's dig deeper uh, because uh, Eliphaz is helping us uh, even though he's a bit Phariseeic, uh, he, he lacks some kind of discernment, and God had to go spank him later. Uh, but he says, if you return to the Almighty, thou shalt be built up. Uh, so here's a benefit 
of knowing God. You shall be built up. Say it with me. I shall be built up. Uh, God is going to build me up. Finally, my brethren, Ephesians 6 and 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Colossians 2, 6 through 7, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted in and built up in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Abounding therein with thanksgiving. Second Peter 3 and 18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. So here's a benefit of knowing God. Uh, strengthening and developing my relationship with him. We need to talk more about this. Hallelujah. Stop fretting about where you live and what you drive. That's French benefits. Hallelujah. And there are sinners that live in mansions, but they don't know Jesus. There are sinners that have private jets, but they don't know Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, you will be built up if you get to know this God that I serve. Uh, I hear somebody uh, shouting hallelujah right now. Uh, so uh, we are being built up because, because we know God. We're developing this knowledge of him. We're growing in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The second thing that happens uh, as a benefit uh, of knowing God is that you'll deal drastically with sin. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, uh, the more I get to know about him, the more I want to be like him, uh, I start liking what God likes and disliking what God dislikes. Uh, I'll hate what God hates. He hates sin. Uh, I won't accept the things that God does not accept. Hallelujah. I won't hold on to the things or taste things that God would not have me to taste, uh, things that he wants me to stay away from. So uh, verse 23 says it again, return to the Almighty, thou shalt be built up and thou shalt put away iniquity, far from thy tabernacles. Hallelujah. Tabernacles. I pull it into the New Testament uh, mentality, don't you know that your body is the tabernacle or the temple of God? Are you with me? Hallelujah. Can you see where I'm going? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. What? Paul says, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Hallelujah. That body. Hallelujah, it's your pretty self. It don't belong to you. It belongs to God. You've been bought with a price. 2 Corinthians uh, 7 and 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Hallelujah. So... Uh, when we really know God, we'll start sharing his hatred for sin, and you'll deal with it. Hallelujah. Look 
at what it says in 2 Corinthians. Well, we just read 2 Corinthians 7 and 1. Uh, but listen, I have in my notes a Christian, a believer who has like views of sin, certainly does not know who God is. You don't really have an intimate relationship with him, hallelujah, because you're holding on to stuff that you know he doesn't like uh, in your tent, in your tabernacle. Um, so uh, let's read another scripture now, Second uh, Chronicles 29, 16, and 17. And I want to compare that to Psalms 51 and 6. Second Chronicles 29, 16 and 17. And the priest went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it and brought out all the uncleanness that they found in the temple of the Lord, in the court of the house of the Lord. And the Levites took it to carry it out abroad into the brook Kidron. Uh, so even in the Old Testament, you got to get all this junk out of my house. I don't like a dirty house, right? Now, in, in, in Old Testament, the, the temple is symbolic of my body in the New Testament because your body is the temple of God. He doesn't want all that junk in the temple. Uh, Old Testament mentality, he says, because I won't dwell in a dirty house. So, uh, Psalm 51 and 6, behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. God wants truth inside of you. He wants cleanliness inside of you. Hallelujah. We can't uh, live a life that's opposite of him. Um, so if we really know him, uh, one of the, another benefit of knowing him intimately is having the same attitude towards sin that he has. Uh, I don't like it. Why don't you like it? Because my daddy don't like it. Uh, I'm not going to do that. Why are you not going to do that? Because my daddy don't do stuff like that. Hallelujah. I'm a king's kid. I'm a child of God. Um, so uh, Eliphaz is talking some good stuff. Um, so I'm going to take it and I'm going to use it to talk about the benefits of knowing God. So we'll be built up. Uh, we can, we'll drastically deal with sin. We won't deal with those things that we know that our father does not like. Uh, he wants a clean house, so we're supposed to keep our house clean, our minds clean. Have this mind in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then uh, in verse 24, Job, I'm still in Job 22, 24. Then shalt thou lay up gold as dust and the gold of Ophir as the stones of the brooks. Uh, so he's saying, then you'll, you'll truly be enriched. Hallelujah. And I, I'm not going prosperity with this. I'm not, I'm not talking about the money. You can, money come to me. I'm not doing all that nonsense because money can come to you, right? And you can still die. And, and wake up in a place other than heaven. Uh, what would a profit a man to gain this whole world and lose his soul? You're not going to like me tonight. I, I feel it already. I have discernment. You're not going to like me. Verse 24, 25. Yea, the Almighty shall be thy defense and, shalt, and thou shalt have plenty of silver. So he says the Almighty, and this is what Eliphaz is saying. I told you, if, if people start running their mouth long enough, 
uh, because at first he's talking about all the stuff Job has and he's judging Job because he lost all of this. But what he's really saying in proper context, I don't know if he meant to say it, but what he's really saying, he's saying in these verses that God will be your gold. God will be your silver. He'll be the choicest silver. And yea, listen, verse 25, the almighty shall be your defense and thou shalt have plenty of silver. So to know him is to become enriched, gold and silver in abundance. Colossians 2 and 9. Uh, let's look at that. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Go down to verse 10. Ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So uh, being a true believer, someone who's really desiring and walking uh, uprightly before the Lord, uh, then I'm an heir of God, joint heir with Jesus Christ, right? We find that, hallelujah, in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 16, the spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we are the children of God, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him. I'm in the book of Job. The lesson is when I'm reading out of the New Testament text, he said, if I'm a child of God, a benefit is of being his child is that I'm an heir of God. I'm an heir of God. I'm an heir of God. I'm going to say it again. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. If so be that if we suffer with him, uh, we may also be glorified together. So uh, possess your possession. Uh, I'm going to take you to Old Testament uh, in the book of Obadiah. Uh, chapter uh, 17, but upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance and there shall be holiness and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Hallelujah. When you have a relationship with God, you'll possess your possessions. Whatever God has for you, whatever he has in store for you, hallelujah. And yes, he does give me the desires of my heart if I diligently seek him if I give him my all, uh, if my ways are pleasing in his sight, uh, if, if I put God first in my life, he will give me the desires of my heart. But understand, when I say that, I'm really saying that God has become my desire. and Whatever he has for me, I love it. I'm satisfied. I'm not going to be the kind of child that says, but I want that over there. Hallelujah. St. John 14 and 27, uh, when you uh, are greatly enriched, it also encompasses the fact that you experience the peace of God. This peace I live with you, I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, giveth I unto thee. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's a benefit. Peace. I can possess my possessions, and God gives me a perfect peace. Uh, John 15 and 11, uh, here it is again. He's enriching me. This is all part of the enrichment part of the benefit of having a relationship with God 
he does this for me also. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. My joy remains in you and that your joy might be full. In order for my joy to be full, God's joy has to remain in me. Wow. Wow. Let me say it again. In order, hallelujah, for my joy to be full, God's joy has to remain in me. I'll say it again. In order for my joy to be full, come on, say it with me. In order for my joy to be full, God's joy has to remain in me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Acts 1 and 8. Hallelujah. This is all part of being uh, enriched because I know God, but ye shall have power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses, hallelujah, for me. Unto me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and under the uttermost part of the world. Hallelujah. Other, another thing, 2 Corinthians 12 and 9. This is all part of the enrichment. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So, uh, and, and, and as Paul going, I went to you three times asking you to take this from me. And God is saying, my grace is sufficient. I'm giving you everything you need to make it through what you're going through. That's a benefit. Uh, it's enriching you. Uh, that problem that you're going through, I'm using it to get you closer to me. Uh, and my strength is made perfect in weakness. Wow. So we talked about the fact that we are built up. We talked about the fact uh, that we'll deal drastically with sin. And we talked about the fact also because uh, we know God and we're getting to know him more, uh, we shall be greatly enriched. Uh, and the next thing that I want to talk about is the fact that I'll delight in the Lord himself. If I delight myself in the Lord, uh, he will give me the desires of my heart. If I delight myself in the Lord, he will give me the desires of my heart. So uh, what I'm talking about, though, uh, in being enriched uh, and being delighted in him himself, delighted in God himself, I'm meaning that I'm being winged away from my earthly and temporal things. Uh, I, I don't want that more than I want God. It's nice to have it. And listen to what I'm saying. It's nice to have all this stuff. And remember Satan's argument. If I take his stuff from you, from him rather, he will curse you and die. If I destroy his family, if I take his money, if I empty out his bank account, he will curse you and die. Hallelujah. But uh, if I've been weaned away from temporal things, earthly things, uh, and God has become uh, better for me than things, then just because I have a nice house doesn't mean that I'm satisfied in my soul. So let's dig into it. Let's go to Hebrews 13 and 8. Um, listen, I have my notes for, for which we may be very grateful for these things. Uh, but there will always be disappointment. Uh, but what will we find true satisfaction in 
and I wrote in my notes, the only thing that can truly satisfy us is being in the Lord Jesus, uh, him being in us, us delighting ourselves in him. Hebrews 13 and 8, uh, understand because things change. Say it with me, things change. Uh, so uh, here's the argument against that prosperity stuff because things change, right? Uh, a few months ago, everybody was outside doing this, that, and other. Now we're all shut in. Things change, right? A few months ago, everybody's working and making money, and now millions of people have lost jobs. Things change. Hallelujah. Things, and they, they didn't just start changing. They, they've been changing, but the writer of Hebrews tells me something that is very powerful. And this is why we need to delight ourselves in the Lord Jesus. He says these words, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Listen, the only constant that I have in life is Jesus Christ. Money changes, friendships change, relationships can change. Right? People are here today in church today, gone tomorrow. The only sure thing in my life is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ. Psalm 37 and 4. All right. I alluded to it. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Hallelujah. I'm almost through, uh, but I feel like starting all over again. I'm almost through, though. So um, the other benefit that is developed in my life by knowing God and getting to know him more uh, is uh, I get answers to prayer. I'll receive answers to prayer. Hallelujah. Verse 27 uh, out of Job 22, he alludes to that. Thou shalt make thy prayer unto him, and he shall hear thee. Thou shalt pay thou vows. Hallelujah. I'm going to take you to the New Testament scripture, 1 John 3, 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments. Uh-oh. Verse 22. I'll read it again. 1 John 3, 22. And whatsoever we ask. Now, we like to quote whatsoever we ask in his name, uh, you know, and people start flipping and shouting and because that's good stuff. Uh, but let's read the whole verse. Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. Why? Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. I can't keep asking God for all this stuff and live any kind of way and do whatever I want to do. But that's what some doctrines are teaching people, that you can do what you want, say what you want, and still be blessed. That's a lie. That's a lot. I know there are some blessings that are unconditional, right? A whole lot of sinners got up this morning, and a whole lot of saints got up this morning. Hallelujah. There are some things you will never have if you don't walk uprightly before the Lord. Uh, so here John is saying this. He's writing this book in his old age. It's full of wisdom. For the New Testament child of God, whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and to those and do those things rather that are pleasing in his sight. I'm going to take you somewhere else. First John chapter five. 
1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. And this is the confidence now that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. He says this after. He told the children we can do this because we are doing what God has told us to do and we are pleasing in his sight. There's no good thing that I, that I will withhold from you if you walk up rightly before me. I'm almost done. I'll have a fruitful testimony because I know him. It's a benefit of knowing God. Hallelujah. I'll have a fruitful testimony. Verse 28, Job 22. This is our foundation place, Job 22, 28. Thou shalt also decree a thing. Right? Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. And when men are cast down, then thou shalt say, when men are cast down, when you run into other folks that are going through, that are suffering, and when you run into them, you won't be like Bildad and Eliphaz, right? Saying you must ascend. He said, when men are cast down, then thou shalt say, there is a lifting up, and he shall save the humble person. You can testify, and your testimony will be a fruitful one because of what you've been through. It's a benefit. Because of what you've been through and what you know about God, you can tell somebody, oh, God, God can help you through that. God can make you through that. Something good can come out of that, right? So there's going to be a lifting up. You're going through it now, but God's going to pick you up. You're sick now, but God can heal your body. I know it because he healed my body. Hallelujah. So if we really know God and are working according to his will, hallelujah, my work won't be lost. 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 Let's go to Mark. Um, the 14th chapter, verses 8 and 9. I'm winding up. She have done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bury. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she have done shall be spoken of for memorial of her, right? And it, this, it's a glimpse into a story. A woman brought oil, uh, and they're complaining about um, her bringing oil to anoint the Lord's body. Uh, and he's saying, well, uh, what she's doing, uh, her work won't be lost. He said there won't be a place uh, around here where people won't know about the sacrifice that this woman has made, uh, the sacrifice that she has made, right? Uh, she's not a preacher, she's not a missionary, but everybody's gonna talk about what this woman did. She didn't have a whole lot, all she had was this, was this oil, uh, but everybody's gonna talk about this. Uh, her work won't be destroyed. Everybody's gonna, she's gonna have a fruitful testimony for someone else that doesn't have much of uh, someone else who was ridiculed and criticized, but because she's been through it, people will hear her story and be encouraged. You want people to hear the story about you and be encouraged. If God can do it for her, uh, he can do it 
for me. Hallelujah. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15 and 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Don't be weary in well-doing. Galatians 6 and 9. For in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Psalms 107 and 2. Then let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed. I'm talking about a fruitful testimony, whom he hath redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. Listen, you can't say nothing if you ain't been through nothing. I can preach that. You can't say nothing if you ain't been through, excuse my vernacular, but you can't say nothing if you haven't been through anything. Uh, if you know God, though, you've been through some things, uh, then you'll have a fruitful testimony. Hallelujah. Yes, it will. Be a, it will be a fruitful testimony. Uh, I'm getting ready to close. I promise you. I sound like a Baptist preacher. I'm almost done, for real. Uh, let's move on to the next and the last thing. Uh, and I love this benefit. I love the other ones, but I love this benefit uh, of knowing God and having a relationship with him um, and, and being with him. Verse 28 of our uh, lesson scripture says, Thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. That verse, right, and I know you, you've heard it preached, you know, decree a thing, declare a thing, you know, uh, and that's good stuff. Uh, but it, it's really connected to God's pleasure, his good pleasure. Uh, pleasure that God has in sanctioning the things uh, that we say out of our mouth. New Testament mentality, whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind it in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, I'll loose it in heaven. So it, it speaks of God's good pleasure of his guidance, of his blessing, uh, all of those things. Quickly, Numbers chapter 6, 24 through 26, the Lord bless thee. This is, this is Moses' benediction, right? But he's already talked to them about staying in God's word, obeying God's commandments so you can receive the blessings, right? Now, listen. Canaan land was great, but the greater blessing was Jehovah himself. And as long as they held on to Jehovah, they can receive, they can possess the possession. Ah, and the reason why they really didn't get to possess the possession was because they rejected the blessor. So here's Moses finally with, his, with a closing blessing. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Psalm 90 and 17. And let the beauty of the Lord, our God, be upon us. And establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. Hallelujah. The beauty of the Lord be upon us. Proverbs 4 and 18, but the path of the just is as a shining light. Hallelujah. Plug it into what uh, Edith is saying here. 
he says, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. Proverbs 4 and 18, but the path of the just is as the shining light, Eliphaz, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. Proverbs, but the light of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Wow. Last one, I promise, Proverbs 10 and 22. Uh, because of this relationship with God that I'm having with him, when God blesses me, it's, it's not a kind of blessing that he would give me. He will never give me anything that's going to tear me down. When God has given me something, it's not, it's not something that I have to work 20 jobs to have. And I know some of you, I'm not trying to offend nobody, but God does not expect me to walk away from him to gain things. If I have him, basically, he'll make sure I have everything I need, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. And yes, uh, yes, perhaps I will get that nice big house. Hallelujah. But it's nothing compared to what God has in store for me. And no matter what God gives me, he's not going to give me something that's going to tear me down. He's not going to give me something that's, that's too hard to handle. If he gives it to me, uh, it's something that he wants me to have. And to keep the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. Say it with me. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow with it. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow with it with it how wonderful that is and and you know we can be here all night talking about the benefits of knowing him uh and and when i read this scripture and i knew the conversation that he's that job is having with eliphaz and you know uh the boys are questioning his integrity and everything else and they're saying some good stuff hallelujah but uh understanding the mentality that they had they they are saying to job that uh, when you had things, you looked blessed. Uh, but Job was just as blessed when he lost everything as he was when he had everything. <laughs> Woo. He was just as blessed when he had a, a yard full of goats and sheep, at, right? He was just as blessed when they all died. Why? Because he had God. And God, when God turn everything around, he had more than what he lost, right? Uh, and that's, that's nice, but it, it wasn't the things that established him being blessed. It was the God in his life. Hallelujah. I'm so glad I have the Lord. How about you? I'm so glad that I'm on the Lord's side. How about you? I'm so glad that the Lord loves me. How about you? I'm so glad Hallelujah, that my father takes such good care of me. How about you? Uh, and if you know this and if you know him, don't stop there. Uh, go deeper into your relationship with the Lord. Take advantage of, of the shut-in. Hallelujah. We're, we're, we're not um, people that don't know his word. Take advantage of this shut-in to get closer to your God. Hallelujah. So we can receive all of the benefits that come to us, that come to us through this relationship. And yes, uh, if there's something that you need to repent of, repent. Yes, 
Uh, if there's something that you need to let go, let go of it. Yes, if there's something you need to walk away from, uh, walk away from it so you can have more of God. I love you on tonight. Father, we thank you for your word, and, and, and we thank you for this lesson. We thank you for speaking to our hearts and minds. Oh, God, if we have a million dollars and don't have you, we're still poor. Hallelujah. It has to be about you first in our lives. Hallelujah. When Job lost everything, the first thing he did was fall on his face and worship you. Hallelujah. Puzzled the enemy's mind. May have even frustrated those who were watching him. Oh God, but you have to be our all in all. You are our source and we love you, Father. Even in the midst of this pandemic, oh God, the government may run out of money. Hallelujah. But there is no failure in your kingdom. We're so glad about that. And we're going to continue to praise you and worship you in the beauty of holiness. Bless those who have, hallelujah, tied into this lesson on tonight. Bless their homes. Bless their families, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you want to be baptized, hallelujah, send that request into us, secretary at Greater Refuge Temple, uh, dc.org. You want to be a member of Greater Refuge Temple, do the same. Uh, send that request in, and somebody from the staff will get back to you, secretary at Greater Refuge Temple, dc.org. And if, uh, if you want to pay your tithes or your offering on tonight, uh, Brother Wallace, who's been working with me diligently, he can put that information across the screen for you uh, so you know how to do that. Those of you at, at the Annex in the New York area, in the Bronx, uh, you may use Givelify. Hallelujah. Refuge Temple Annex uh, on Givelify. The Lord bless you. Uh, until next week, thank you for your time and your patience. Uh, and may the Lord keep you in his care. Thank you.